Good afternoon. It's Tuesday. It is June the 1st. New month, but same old story when it comes to our Toronto Maple Leafs. Despite finishing first in the Northern Division and having the league's leading goal scorer once again, our Maple Leafs fail to get out of the first round of the playoffs. Joining us now, the host of the uh, playoff show, the now uh, defunct playoff show, is uh, Greg Brady. He joins us here on a 640 at Toronto. Greg, how are you this afternoon, my friend? Hey, listen, in two things. In 24 years, uh, if we only have one defunct show in radio, that's good. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good, all told. Um, <laughs> I've had some, uh, I've been like, here, meet your new partner today. I'm like, well, at least you're keeping me. Great. Um, but the second thing is, why don't we just make Jamie's Crying the official Leafs goal song, Jeff? I like you make my dreams. I love my Hall and Oates. It ain't working. I like, hear I you. trade Mitch Marner this summer or get rid of the Hall and Oates goal song. We'll do both. <laughs> you decide, but you got to do one or the other. Okay, we're going to get to Marner here in a second, but first I want your breakdown regarding what happened last night. Did the Leafs, do you think, did they just run into a red-hot goaltender in Carey Price or was it something more that was going on the last few games? Well, I think it's some of it. Um, remember how well uh, the Canadians started um, in games. They're up 3 nothing in Game 5 in Toronto. Then they're uh, up 2 nothing Saturday night at home in front of their fans. And the Leafs get back in it and create an overtime situation. So, you know, overtimes are coin flips. They're supposed to be. And then we obviously get the two. Um, boy, I'm not going to hold back words today. You know, regrettable, no reprehensible giveaways by Alex Galchenyuk and then Travis, Travis Dermott. It's been, uh, you know, I, I'm not even close to being a, a born in 1967 and I'm feeling the pain. But either way, um, they, they get into game seven last night, Jeff. And then I just I felt it all day. I felt it all day long. Um, I'll tell you a quick anecdote. I, I asked a couple ex-Leafs, prominent ones. I won't say who they are to come on the show. And they're like, if this wasn't game seven and I didn't have a bad feeling about this, then I would. And I'm like, I don't want to put you on if, if they lose. And they're like, well, then you shouldn't put me on. Like, that's how unconfident, lacking confidence <laughs> um, people people were in this city. And I think I think this was you laid it out there. It's a massive upset. They were heavily favored. They got up three one in the series. And uh, and this isn't like, oh, you got to go in and play the big bad Bruins who have a really good core. And they got Zidane Char and Patrice Bergeron, Tukares, it's it, or even Columbus last year, where it's kind of a coin flip, weird COVID bubble world. And you know, what did sports even mean last August? Like, that's an existential question. This was a slam dunk. This was an open net goal. And the Leafs, it's the first time I think we can say it. They choked something away. They absolutely choked it away. And some of that is is not being able to execute. But some of it combines the lack of execution combines with a lack of confidence when you can't execute. It's just it's a combination of both. They okay. blow it, plain so, and simple. So let me ask you this, then I'm going to jump ahead because I was going to wait till the end to ask you this question. But I want to know, because Leafs Nation is one of the most faithful fan bases in all of sports. I mean, they have seen generations, not a generation, but generations of failure. But this playoff loss, that loss, that game last night, I don't know, maybe just because it's fresh, but this kind of feels different. Do you think that this alters the relationship between the team and at least some of Leafs Nation, some of the uh, fans? Because uh, I, I get the sense, Craig, that uh, a lot of fans are now just throwing their arms up in the air. I love that question. I, I think it does. And uh, and I do think COVID-19 has got something to do with it. And let me explain that. Um, they haven't been able to go to the games um, there hasn't been the disposable income spent on the Maple Leafs. I've made the point all year, Jeff, and I think you and I talked about it at least once. 
about merchandise. Like you might've been really excited in normal times to, to buy a Joe Thornton Jersey, but, but did you, because where are you going to wear it? Like to go get the mail? Um, <laughs> like you're, you're not wearing it to a pub. You're not wearing it to a game. You're not wearing it to a buddy's house for a, a Saturday night to watch the game together. You're not going on the road on road trips to Ottawa or Detroit or, or, uh, you know, some, someplace great like Chicago or Boston. So merch was affected. Um, you know, ticket sales were affected. And I think the Leafs look at this, the Leaf fans look at this and say, um, I, I I've given so much to this club. I've given so much to this team. And, and I've been patient through the bad years, the bad years. And here's what I'd say. I think they got better quicker when, when Brandon Shanahan took over, when he hired Mike Babcock, Mike Babcock made a famous statement. He said, there's going to be pain here for a while. Well, there only was the one year. And then they drafted Austin Matthews and they got to the playoffs in 2017. And they really gave a really good capitals team that won the Stanley cup. A good run. Freddie Anderson, that was his best playoff. The next yeah. three were not as good. But, you know, Greg, that, that's all that well and good, Matthews, though. Best playoff series ever. Yeah, that, that's all well and good, but we haven't got out of the first round, though. So, I mean, at what point, and you look at all of the money that's spent on the like of Matthews, Marner, Tavares, uh, Nylander, who uh, got, I think, was five goals uh, in this uh, playoff uh, series. But I think there's real palpable frustration that uh, this was the year the Leafs were supposed to do better. They were supposed to get out of the first round. And I don't know, again, this is just fresh. It happened last night, but I just have a feeling like there's the relationship between the fan base and the team, yeah. it's changing. Yeah. And there's nothing quite like people have referenced the Red Sox and the Cubs before. And when those teams got close again, well, all the Cubs fans come back, but there are many a time. I, the first time I ever went to Wrigley field with my dad in 1990, there might've been 18,000 people there on a Wednesday afternoon. Like we have this idea that the Knicks fans and the Red Sox fans and the Cubs fans are always there. They're kind of in the background, but when they get good again, like 93, like a couple of those runs in the late 90s, they'll come back. You're right in that this is different, and COVID's changed that. And I think right now, I think it'll get better, but I also, I do relate this to where we're at. And if you're disappointed, you know, uh, I, I won't go too political, but if you're disappointed with the premier, if you're disappointed with the mayor of Toronto, and maybe you have reason to be, this was something the team could have given you. And no, is sports as important as schools, businesses? No, no, not uh, people keeping out of hospital. Of course not. But it's that distraction. Then we've all needed it. We've all dove into stuff. We've all tried to have hobbies. And the Leafs would have been a wonderful hobby to watch from afar for six or eight weeks. And the idea, you remember the, the conversations, Jeff, as you know, we're like, oh, what if we go to the Stanley Cup final and win and there isn't a parade? Well, you're not even close to that. <laughs> you mm -hmm. just pointed yeah. that out. <laughs> so this was something the team could have given back. And I think people are angrier that they had a perfect opportunity to do it and blew it. That's some interesting, interesting analysis. Let's analyze the team here for a second as well, because a postmortem in the coming days and weeks will be going on within the organization, no doubt. He's a fan favorite, but is Mitch Marner, is he possibly on his way out, Greg? I think you got to be careful with this one. I, I would let this breathe. I certainly wouldn't be planning on it right now, but I'd take a phone call on Mitch Marner. I'd take an email from another GM on, uh, I, you know, that's not placing him on the block. That's not making it irreversible. Look, they traded Phil Kessel, uh, Brendan Shanahan and Mike Babcock did when they just looked and said, this guy's all about himself. It, it doesn't work here. He doesn't work as a first line player here. Um, and we'll get what we can for him. They were going to trade Phil Kessel regardless. I think you can only do that with Mitch Marner 
if you're getting remarkable value back. Not in the future either, because you can look forever to draft Mitch Marner in the top five, a top five score. Uh, but these they've got to find a way. They've got to find a way to get him more productive in the playoffs. And I, I was a bit surprised they didn't separate him and Austin Matthews at any point. I think that was a failing of Sheldon Keefe not to mix them up with other players. Like, as good as William Nylander was going, they got Nylander on the line with Matthews and Marner once. Take Marner off and just leave Nylander on with Zach Hyman. Find a way. I, I, think, you, I think it's a dangerous game to overreact, but there's a shelf life here. And, you know, you and I talked about John Tavares. You may only have two really productive years of John Tavares left. This was the deal when they signed him for eight years. You were going to love the first few years, and they're already three years in. The next couple might be tricky, might be still be a pretty good player. The last couple, you're going to hate paying a 35, 36-year-old John Tavares $11 million. You really are. So it's still a now time. This isn't building to something. This team was supposed to compete by now. And first team ever, Jeff, since or first team since the Buffalo Sabres in the late 80s to lose five straight first rounds. And it's only happened twice mm. in NHL history. So they have to change something, for sure. Yeah, Something's got to change. Change has got to come. And Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan, got to figure this out. And funny enough, it's a shanty, because I want to ask you about this, because I know you've covered the Detroit Red Wings for many years. And a lot of people today I've seen, uh, Greg, are pointing to uh, the Red Wings before they went on their Stanley Cup run, had a similar uh, playoff uh Lack of success in the uh, playoffs in the first round, and they went out and they made some significant changes and deals that didn't make sense at the time to a lot of people, but certainly paid dividends, and that team became uh, what they uh, were. Do you think the Leafs are in that position right now? Do they need to be bold? Do they need to make some uh, real bold move, whether it be moving Marner or, or maybe Nylander you get more for because he's only $7 million as opposed to eleven, and he scored five times in the first round. He might have more upside on the trading block. I'm I'm not the only player I am not trading. The only player I'm not trading is Austin Matthews. Um, that's the only one that I don't I hang up the phone. I, you know, there's only one year left on Morgan Riley's contract. So I, I do want to extend him, but that could be debated. Do I need to get a home run defenseman? Do I need Seth Jones from Columbus who makes $9 million? And can I include a Nylander or Marner? Does it make my team better? And you're so right about the Shanahan thing. Brendan Shanahan was that player. I'll set the scene really quick. 96 is the year they lose that bitter series to the Colorado Avalanche when, when Claude Lemieux smashed Chris Draper's face in. And the Red Wings had, had been, you know, a 136-point team in the regular season. They'd been to the Stanley Cup final the year before. So they were a lot more advanced at winning. But you know and I know, and you could hear the drumbeats from London, where we both used to work, that the, oh, you know, they'll never win. That Steve Eiserman, Nick Lidstrom, Sergei Fedorov, when are these guys going to? And we think of them now as these lifetime winners. Well, they weren't, but they traded for Brendan Shanahan and they gave up a great player in Keith Primo, a great defenseman still in Paul Coffey and a first round pick. And that looks like that that's what turned the tide now. But it was a risky trade. It was a really risky trade to give up that much for Brendan Shanahan. Shanahan has to have similar courage um, to Scotty Bowman, who traded for him. And, and I, I, you know, the question is, is the team as close as that Red Wings team were, was? No, not even close. But you got to do some interesting and inventive things or you're not getting anywhere. And I think, Jeff, I really believe this, that Kyle Dubas and, and Sheldon Keefe will be put on notice that they've got a year. They're going together. He's not Kyle Dubas is not firing Sheldon Keefe. So Brendan Shanahan would replace them both before Dubas gets to fire Keefe. But that's a year away. This isn't happening this summer, but they have to revolutionize the culture and they have to figure out why this keeps happening and why it's why it's going backwards and not forwards. 
Just finally, Greg, is Shanahan, is he on the clock, do you think? I mean, he has been around for a while now. He's been at the helm for some time. Does he wear this failure as much as uh, anyone? And do we maybe need to be asking some questions there that high up? Well, he, it, the, the, this whole Shanna plan has been, yeah, in, in play. If you told Brendan Shanahan when he took the job and, and there was no slam dunk they were going to get him, they'd wanted Wayne Gretzky, too. People forget they were interested. Larry Tannenbaum was interested in him as president. Not that Shanahan was a, a second choice, but I think it's up to Brendan Shanahan. And at a certain point, Brendan Shanahan may say, um, I don't need any of this. I sure I sure don't need to work for money. Um, and, and I'm frustrated and I'll go do something else. But I think the relationship is strong and solid. And I think there's time here. They just if, if they were languishing in mediocrity. Yes, but it, it's a tale of two teams. It's regular season versus playoffs. And some say that it's it, playoffs are will as much as skill. And, and I think it's the first time I'm so cautious not to question athletes heart and commitment and character. But I think it's fair game now, five years in, to wonder about these guys and wonder if you've got the best players who look great on a Tuesday in January when you and me pay 125 bucks a ticket, luckily, once in a while, uh, or someone gives it to us, which is even better. But it's it's a one thing to wonder why they look so good then, and then April and May come, and they don't look like the same players, and it's not the same pace, and they can't keep up. All right. In the meantime, I think I saw this tweet uh, last night after the game. Uh, year 55 of the rebuild is officially underway. <laughs> Craig, thanks as always. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Jeff. All right, there goes uh, Greg Brady with us on the uh, Leafs conducting a bit of a a post-mortem, sorry, as once again they are on the outside looking in when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs after the first round.